Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. I'm your host, Chad Ford, and my guest today is ESPN's Fran Fraschilla. He is a college basketball guru, an international basketball guru, a draft guru, and Fran and I have worked together for a long time. Uh, always have enjoyed Fran's analysis. He always does his homework, maybe more than anybody that I know in the draft. This guy has got binders and binders of uh, deep scouting reports on guys, and and always just a pleasure to have you on board. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, Fran. It's a real pleasure, Chad. I always enjoy catching up with you. I'm listening to the podcast and the guests you have on, so I'm learning some stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. You know, it's really early. I heard your great podcast with John Hollinger, and you know, my my reaction so far is I think I've got a handle on some of the guys, but man, we're just in the top of the second inning. If if you if you wanted to use a baseball analogy, but it's going to be a fun draft. There's no question about that. A lot of depth in this draft. Yeah, and you know, every year freshmen are going to dominate the top of the draft, but this year uniquely, they are really going to dominate. Uh, you know, the the top of this draft, the the strength of the underclassmen that returned uh, to to college basketball. Uh, it has been weaker. Uh, this draft, last year's draft, really drained uh, a lot of the talent out of uh, college basketball. But there's been some some nice surprises uh, from a few guys that have returned, and we'll talk about that as well. Uh, you know, Fran, you've been, uh, you know, a lot of your assignment is covering the Big 12, uh, so you get that one really up close. And I know this year, especially, uh, it's been a little bit different from you because a lot of those broadcasts have to happen from home, but you also have gotten on the road and been able to see some guys as well. And because you're in the Big 12, uh, it means that you've got a very up-close look at the guy that I think, if I'm not sure it's a consensus, but it's close to a consensus um, that he's the number one guy, or at least the favorite to be the number one pick in this draft, Cade Cunningham. Tell me your impressions early on from Cade. Well, what I love to do every season, especially because I cover the Big 12 so in-depthly, is get around in the preseason to watch practice, Chad. It was a little more difficult this year, honestly, because of COVID. So, uh, But I did get up to Oklahoma State early, so I watched them practice. And uh, and we've also done three Kate Cunningham games now, one in person. And so I think I do have a good feel for him. He, first of all, he's... Uh, He's a, I wouldn't say a unique player. He actually fits the NBA more than he does college because, you know, when you look at a kid who's, he's listed at 6'8", I would say he's probably 6'7", you know, 225, great build, great size, great feel for the game. I actually think he's going to be, this is, this is, you know, we've said this before about kids. He'll be a better NBA player in many ways because the floor is going to be spaced and he'll be around great talent unlike at Oklahoma state right now, where he's the focal point of every single defense and, and trying to keep him out of the lane. It's to the point where the other night against Kansas, when they were, they played great Oklahoma state bill self rarely goes to his own and even more rarely goes to a triangle and two. And Cade gave them so many fits in the first half. I think he had 16 at the half bill self used both defenses in that game. So what he is right now is a playmaking linebacker okay he's a he's a you know he's a man child obviously that's going to fit well in the league because of his size he is a great teammate to the point really I have said a number of times this year he's almost too unselfish because uh when you're that talented on a team that's not that talented he almost should take over more but great passer 
with great vision and an innate feel for getting teammates the ball at the right time at the right place. Uh, NBA teams are going to love this guy in that regard. His shooting is, is certainly not bad at all. The shot's not broken. In fact, I think he's going to end up being a really good shooter in the league. Um, if there's a complaint about him right now, and I heard you and John mention this, he's not really an explosive athlete when we think of NBA, you know, high-level NBA athletes. Uh, I almost compare him to the offensive version of Marcus Smart. In other words, what Marcus brings to a team defensively uh, Cade brings to the team offensively. He's going to do a lot of things to help you win. I don't know if I would automatically say he's the number one pick right now because there's a couple of guys at the top of this draft that I like as much, but I think the consensus is correct. If you had a gun to your head today and you were a team with the number one pick, he would be a very safe pick for the reasons I mentioned. One thing about him, because he's so unique, is I haven't necessarily heard a great comp for him. Like, you know, and I know this is tough, and and no player is exactly like another player in the NBA. But when he gets to the NBA, Fran, who could we look at in the NBA and say there's at least similarities on how he's going to be played and how he's going to be used in the NBA? You know, Chad, I'm a comp guy. I like comps. Some people go, oh. I don't like, you know, I'm a comp guy. I like to know, I like to be able to explain somebody and give somebody who hasn't seen Kate Cunningham at least a general idea of what they might be getting. So, but I don't have a great one. So I would tell you that although he's not as offensive minded, he moves to me like Brandon Roy, you know, whereas Brandon wasn't an explosive athlete. He just got wherever he wanted on the court. There's some Grant Hill in this kid, you know, his ability at six, seven, six, eight to handle the ball and pass it. So those two guys come to mind. I mean, I think if you go back in time, you might say, you know, a Tracy McGrady. Um, and, and Tracy wasn't as physically developed, maybe at the same stage, but certainly a great high school player. Those are three. Now, can you put them all together and meld them? And then you might have a – but I think you get the idea. He's a big facilitating uh, – whatever you want to call him. Uh, Bill Self calls a guy like him a three-guard. All right. He's not really a point guard. He's a three guard. He's a playmaking two guard or, you know, he's a playmaking wing is what he is at an elite level. You talked about him being one of your favorites for the number one pick, but you think that there's other guys in the mix right now. Uh, I'm assuming Jalen Suggs is one of those guys uh, from Gonzaga. You've got to see him play. Um, he really he really uh, launched his college career in a big way against Kansas and, and really hasn't looked back. Uh, tell us about Suggs and, and, how, and how you have him ranked right now. Well, you know, again, one of the things that is always an advantage to me is some of my best friends are, are, are coaching these guys, you know, whether it's a Mike Boynton or a Mark Few. And first of all, I will tell you, because this is just the kind of information you and I love to have and NBA scouts do, that Mark Few said he is the most competitive kid he's ever coached. Uh, he's a sweet kid, but he is an intense competitor. He also loved the fact that he was a high school quarterback and Mr. Basketball in both football uh, and basketball in the state of Minnesota. Uh, to me, he is, the, uh, he is Chauncey Billups reincarnated. You know, I know there's other comps, Jason Kidd, others. To me, at six foot five, and, and, I, and a guy tweeted me recently when I tweeted that out, and they go, well, he's more athletic than Chauncey. And I was like, yeah, but Chauncey's 44. Chauncey, Chauncey was the third pick in the draft. You know, this was not chopped liver. It was, uh, it was Tim Duncan, 
somebody who was a bust, and then Chauncey. Um, and the reason I say that is this kid is not really a point guard. He's not really a two. He's a guard. And he's not really offensive-minded. He's a, he's a two-way guy. Um, I thought coming into college and talking to Mark Few this summer, he thought that this kid was going to be best as a great lockdown defender. And I think he is. I think he's all of these things. And so while I would probably, if you made me choose right now, I would probably go with the flow of the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the consensus opinion, but I'm not sure down the road that this kid won't be the best player in this draft. Uh, and by, by the way, there's three or four other guys that could be the best player in this draft. But I would say right now that, that Jalen Suggs should be in the mix for the number one pick, even if it's not a consensus that it's, 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 you know, it's, it's over right now the way it was with Zion two years ago. That, that elite competitiveness and that elite toughness, those are basketball skills. And I think this is, you know, sometimes people th think about soft and hard things. Those are real basketball skills that actually translate um, at the next level. And if you want to get playing time as a rookie um, and you're a coach in the NBA, those are, are two of the biggest selling points that you're going to have. Um, you know, getting on the floor. Coaches love guys that not only love to win, but that they hate to lose. And and Jalen Suggs just reeks of that guy that he hates to lose basketball games. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, like my perspective, we all have a different perspective on what makes a good NBA player. And I don't certainly see the 70, you know, or 80, hopefully 70 games this year that they'll play in a league. So I'm a, at a disadvantage, but I always look at things from a coach's standpoint, especially when I evaluate a guy and I think, how is he going to fit in with, you know, with the rebuilding of the Detroit Pistons? How will this kid fit in? Uh, if a kid is drafted by Rick Carlisle, will he play as a rookie? With Jalen Brunson, the 34th pick in the draft, the answer was yes, because Carlisle values certain things that Brunson had brought to the table that year. So yes, Chad, I, I see Jalen Suggs from a coach's standpoint, and those things he does are really important in terms of competitiveness. He has an incredible feel for the game, too. He's an elite, not only on-ball defender, but off-ball defender with instincts. He uh, threw a pass a few weeks ago. You may have seen on, on uh, social media. It was a 75-foot bounce pass uh, through three defenders for a layup, and it looked like a high school quarterback. Um, so all these things, to me, make him a potential NBA all-star, which I don't say a lot. Um, and I certainly didn't think that much this year about anybody who might be an all-star in this draft. And of course, there may be some guys that end up that way and they probably will. But I think Jalen Suggs has all of the earmarks of an NBA all-star someday. Well, I think this is what right now sets this part of this draft apart from last year's is were there some guys in the 2020 draft that if they hit their ceiling, they could be all-stars? Absolutely. We knew that. They also they also had some scary floors. Uh, and, you know, we're still very early in that process right now of, of seeing how they're adapting to the NBA. But, you know, there's there's some positive signs, uh, especially from the, the, the top players in the draft right now, that maybe they're going to get closer to their ceiling than their floor. One of the interesting things about this draft to me is those ceilings are still very high, but their floors are, are much higher on Suggs and Cunningham. It's really hard to see how either of those guys, 
you know, fail in the league. We said this, or at least I said this about uh, Tyrese Halliburton last year as well. Even though I didn't know how high his ceiling was, his floor was so ridiculously high. It was hard to see how Tyrese wasn't going to, you know, dominate in the NBA. And I'd say that both with Suggs and Cunningham. It's really hard to craft a scenario that isn't an injury scenario. Um, where these guys aren't dominant NBA players for a long time. Well, and I got to tell you, you know, we we had great discussions back in the spring about Tyrese, and I just talked to his, his coach Steve Prohm 20 minutes ago um, because we're doing a Kansas game tomorrow against Iowa State. He went to the perfect team in many ways, Sacramento. I just want to make this point: um, when Tyrese Halliburton was a freshman, he was on a team that that ended up having two NBA players, uh, Mario Shayok and of course Taylor Horton Tucker, as well as Lindell Wigginton who uh, was a very good college player. The reason Tyrese is an incredible fit for Sacramento is because he can play with anybody and playing with a ball dominant guard like uh, uh, De'Aaron Fox and having Buddy Heald there, Tyrese's emotional intelligence was perfect for that team. And I, I think he, he find, found that that's finding out to be the case. But with these guys, absolutely. Um, I love both of their uh, emotional intelligence, their feel for the game, their skill level. They got the whole package. And I will tell you before you ask me, I think Evan Mobley is in this mix. I think Evan Mobley has a chance to be a monster NBA player. Uh, Seven feet tall, so graceful. To me, at worst, at the very worst, he's he's, uh, Jaron Jackson. At best, I don't think he's Kevin Durant, but I do think Chris Bosch is a absolute perfect comp for this kid. I love this kid. He he absolutely to me Chris Bosch is what I see when I'm out there though he's a better rim protector. Um, than Chris Bosch was, at least at least in uh, college. He, he is certainly uh, proven to be a much better rim protector. And I'd probably say a, as a college basketball player, he's more advanced than Chris Bosch was as a freshman um, as well. And, I, and one of the things that really impresses me about him, and he's still working on his ability to, to, to score off the, off the bounce, uh, you know, catching the ball at the top of the key and creating, creating for himself. Uh, he, he, I, I know the NBA is trending toward, away from big men, as being the most important things. And that's why Cade, you know, John Hollinger made this point in our last podcast, why Cade Cunningham might be the default pick because he plays the most coveted position in the NBA today. That three guard, that big wing, that's that's what teams are looking for. But when guys like Mobley come along, uh, I, I think you sort of throw whatever the trends are out the window and say, this guy is is a modern big that can do just about everything. I, I, I'm with you. And, uh, you know, having seen Chris Bosch since his high school days in Dallas, uh, and listen, if, if Evan Mobley ends up with a Chris Bosch career, he's going to be extremely happy. But I think at the same stage, I do think Evan is, is more advanced and uh, in, uh, especially uh, uh, offensively feel for the game. I mean, he does put it on the floor. I, he, I don't think he's going to be a 6'11 point guard, but I would not be afraid to have him handle the ball in transition. And to your point, Chad, he not only blocks shots, but he moves his feet well on the perimeter. And I don't know his makeup. I know, the, I know his dad uh, has done a great job with their son, both sons. Uh, his older brother, obviously, is a sophomore. But um, all things are trending into a very positive direction for this young man with NBA teams, in, in my, hum- my humble opinion. You know, it's interesting, too, because this – you know, he was the top ranked player in his class at one point. And, and then, which happens sometimes with these high school players, he, he got a little disinterested, I think, his senior year. You know, from everybody I talked to, and, you know, sometimes, 
you know, when you're at a, at a level and the, your competition isn't at that level, it's hard to stay, uh, have that fire lit underneath you. That's certainly not going to be a problem in the NBA for, for Evan, Mo, Evan Mobley. And, uh, and, and I, and I think that's maybe why he's been a slight surprise for people, but I think based off the long-term scouting of him in high school, this shouldn't come as, as much of a surprise that he's great. So, I mean, those are three, three guys that in my opinion had, they've been in the 2020 draft, all would have went, um, ahead of Anthony Edwards, who, who went number one and James Wiseman, um, and, and LaMelo Ball. The fourth college guy that I have on my board uh, was a bit controversial, and and this is a guy you've seen a lot, so I'm I'm interested to hear your take. Greg Brown out of Texas, he clearly isn't putting up the numbers of those guys. He's clearly not as ready um, as those guys are, but he's one of the best athletes uh, that that you're ever going to get coming out of college basketball. And I've seen a lot of improvement just throughout the season as he's been. I'd say he's more of a natural four, but has been playing on the wing. Uh, in Texas, which which might be really good for his development. Uh, and I'm just really curious where you see him right now as a prospect. Well, um, first of all, one of the, again, I got a chance to talk to him about six weeks ago on a Zoom call before the season, and he's a wonderful kid. The way he plays sometimes, you wonder if he doesn't have a little AAU in him, but he's a great kid, great family. Father is a NF, former NFL player, and he's been uh, he's being coached hard. Let's put it that way, both by dad and Shaka smart. There's no shortcuts and he's on a veteran team to your point, And the upperclassmen guards are pretty much keeping him not in the line, but Hey, this is how we do it here. We work hard every day. He is definitely uh, bought in to that. I say about him, and this is not, this is not a negative, but it's just more of the, based on what we've seen over the last decade with all these freshmen, he doesn't have a game yet. Like, I don't know what his game is right now. He's got two moves. He's going to shoot it every time he touches it and he's going to drive left. And everybody in the big 12 knows that. And some games he's just going to run people over. Um, but I have seen, especially in the last couple of games to your point, Chad, he's a high motor kid. He's one of the best athletes in this draft to your point. And um, he's just finding out who he is as a player at this level of competition, he could have gone to IMG Montverde prolific prep. He chose to stay in a little, you know, bedroom community, Vandergrift high school, 25 miles North of Austin with a bunch of six foot white kids who he grew up with, uh, you know, uh, his best friends. And so he's learning about the competition. He reminds me in some ways, you and I remember this, we were both doing the draft for ESPN back then. He reminds me his freshman year of Jalen Brown. Jalen was on a bad Cal team. Jalen was not sure what he was. Was he a three? Was he a four? Could he shoot it? He'd run people over. And obviously the rest is history. So if you tell me, um, I think some teams are going to be really intrigued with him, especially if you're sitting at six, seven, or eight in this draft, because you see lots of long-term potential in the way we saw it with Jalen Brown. I think that's a great comp. I've been I've been wondering about a comp for him. I think Jalen Brown is a is is a really nice one, and and a guy that I wasn't sure about coming out because because of Cal, it was hard to figure out what his Neither game was, was. and it yeah. and it was a rocky start um, for him. It wasn't like it just all clicked for him at Boston. It's certainly clicked now, and and the high intelligence and a lot of in the work ethic and a lot of other things. Um, I think have contributed to Jalen Brown. But let, let me let me add this, Chad, if you don't mind, because um, I think you'd like this. 
you and I every year see kids that we see the NBA potential, but we wonder how long it's going to take. And when I think of when I think of Jalen Brown way back then, or now this kid, uh, Greg Brown, I think of a baseball pitcher in high school. Like if you were, um, you know, um, you, let's say let's say we summit Missouri, okay. Well, nice, nice, nice reference. That, that's nice reference. Fran, Fran got my hometown. I, I didn't realize that was actually the hometown, but I knew you were in that area. So we summit, uh, what is it? South and North. Was there a mixture of schools? There is. I, I was actually from Raytown, which is right next, right next door. Uh, but, uh, but now my parents live in Lee summit. So yeah. Raytown South, great basketball program. Bud, Bud Lathrop. Uh, Bud Lathrop, one of Bud the all-time legends. Yep. So here, here's my analogy. Let's say the kid, you got a you got a high school baseball pitcher from Raytown South who throws 97, and he's going to sign with Clemson, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden, that ain't going to happen because the Milwaukee Bucks are taking, excuse me, the Milwaukee Brewers are drafting this high school kid who throws 97 with the fourth pick in the draft. That kid's not going to Clemson. He's signing with the Milwaukee Brewers. And much the same way, a kid like Jay, uh, Greg Brown or uh, – you know, Jalen Brown back then, we saw a high school pitcher with great potential, but you're not going to stick him in the major leagues right away. I think Greg Brown is one of those kids that you draft and you throw him with your player development guys and, and, and smooth out all the rough spots because three years from now, you got an elite athlete, high motor, six, six, seven, six, eight, you know, potential small ball four, or there's no more, there's no such thing as a small ball four anymore because they're all small balls. And that's who I think he's going to be. You know, it's interesting, you know, interesting too, you know, as you say that, um, and, and, and you just like even watch the evolution of the, the 2020 draft and, and where Patrick Williams kind of started on boards and where he ended on boards. And, and part of this is, okay, once the, the clear cut top tier guys are off the board, NBA teams are still looking for potential and they're looking for high ceiling. And one of the reasons Patrick Williams, he certainly didn't earn the fourth pick in the draft based off of his freshman year at Florida State. Um, there was there was many more prospects, even freshmen, who had more impressive freshman seasons than Patrick Williams did. But what the Bulls saw in Patrick Williams was a was a ceiling that was higher than those other guys and why they took him. And I and I see the sort of same thing, same sort of mindset with Greg Brown. And when you when you factor in with him that he is a good kid, that he he has this high motor, that he's being coached hard. Um, right and and is accepting that coaching um, and fitting in those those are all those sort of positive signals that say that he's going to be more than just a great athlete. Yeah, I'm with you, and you you know you've done this for so long, and you have so many connections in the league that you know that a lot of this stuff based on like you know the I remember talking to Dino Gaudio, the assistant at Louisville, who recruited Patrick Williams out of Charlotte. This is back middle of the season, and the first thing he said, "Oh, great kid, great family." And, you know, you know this, the, the teams now are so into where is this kid going to be three years from now or five years from now based on what kind of kid is he? Is he entitled? Is he, uh, does he think he's better than he is? Now, this kid went to Florida State with the idea that he might not start as a freshman because he wanted to play for Leonard Hamilton and be taught how to play defense. And, you know, with these kids, the rest is history. I think character and attitude – are the missing ingredient that fans don't usually understand because you and I both know how much detective work goes on by NBA teams and how good they are at this, most of them, or at least the guys that you and I respect. 
Yeah, and a lot of times when guys fall in the draft, it's because of that detective work. Uh, Things that weren't public that they've figured out um, based off their extensive connections, sometimes medical, sometimes off the court stuff, just, uh, you know, and and one of the things that scouts are struggling with a little bit uh, this year and Hollinger talked about it is that they they get that stuff by going to practices, talking to assistants, uh, talking to the the manager of the team. I mean, they, they get a lot of info that is harder for them to get this year. Um, because of COVID nineteen, I still think they'll find a way to they get, will. To get well, the this info. They will. the good ones do. You, you and I know these guys, and you know that uh, some of these guys, and and many of the guys that you and I know, have great relationships with college coaches and and assistant coaches. And I've always said that you really can't trust a college coach because there's two things: you can't trust them to tell, give you the honest opinion on their kid because. Number one, they want their player to go drafted to be as high as possible. Number two, Bill Self doesn't watch a lot of NBA games. You know what I mean? Uh, Roy Williams doesn't have a t- chance to watch a lot of NBA games. And so they can't really give you the great information. But the, but the great scouts get, get that stuff. We both know that. Uh, it reminds me of when uh, Coach K was calling me about Austin Rivers. And, and, <laughs> and, I, and I was being very skeptical about him. And he was lobbying. And I'm like, okay, Coach. I yeah. know this is your job. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know we, you and I both know what you're doing right now. Yeah. And, and yeah. I know why you're doing, I respect you for it because that's your kid, but yeah. come on now. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, this guy's exactly. not, this guy's not the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, let's, th- those are four college guys. Yeah. If, if you, and then, and then uh, Hollinger and I talked about this because I think, I don't know if John had Greg Brown sort of right there, but there is, there is at that point maybe another pool of guys and it's harder to sort them out, at least for me yet. If, if you were to have a, a, another college guy right now and saying, okay, gun to your head, uh, those four guys are off the board. Who's the next guy playing in college right now that you would take? Who would that be? Well, let's, let's, let's make sure, you know, we're not talking about the older guys, you know, let's talk about all these younger guys. And, uh, you know, I would say, and I, you guys did a nice job of talking about Jalen Johnson, Scotty Barnes. I have opinions on those guys. Um, but I think, and you mentioned this kid, I think a kid that's really a sleeper to go higher is Keon Johnson from Tennessee. Um, I, I, I worked for Rick Barnes for three years. Uh, the buzz has been on Jaden Springer, the outstanding guard, Gary Springer's son, who was once a, one of the best high school players in the country out of New York. But I, I love this kid. Uh, Keon Johnson, because I think he's, he remind he's, he's not as intense as Isaac Okoro, but he has a, uh, he has a chance to be a great wing defender in the league. I don't even know if he's starting yet, but it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a Patrick Williams syndrome. That team has so many veterans, Eves Pons and, uh, and John Fulkerson guys that are likely not to be, you know, my East Pons could get drafted, but um, Keon Johnson and, and is the best prospect on that team, in my opinion. And he's a kid that could certainly uh, impress NBA teams minus the stats, much, much like uh, Patrick Williams. I I am still a fan of Zaire Williams for the same reason. I like Greg Brown and Keon Johnson, his best basketball. He's a, he's, he could slip through a wet straw and and come out dry. That's how thin he is. Um, is. But I, I just think long-term his athleticism, his character, um, you know, I don't know how much impact he'll have immediately, but a kid like Zaire Williams, I still like, and I'm anxious to watch him more closely. Um, Josh Christopher, I saw him early in the bubble, the kid from Arizona State. Uh, he's got an NBA game. He can get his probably as much as anybody in this draft. Um, he can go get his own shot. And we both know that's a skill in the league. That's not going to always go in, Chad, but he can go get a shot. 
And that's a kid that I think will be sneaky, sneaky higher as the season goes on. All right, friend, uh, just broke down our uh, some of the top freshmen uh, in the for the NBA draft, the 2021 NBA draft. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about a few upperclassmen uh, that that have caught our eye. And Fran has seen video uh, of the G League scrimmage. Uh, very coveted, very coveted stuff, bootleg stuff. And we're getting Fran's impression on at least three players that could be lottery picks that are playing for the G League Ignite team. Uh, when we come back, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar tastes even better than the old ones. There are 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. That's on top of all of the original flavors that you typically love, the coconut almond, the raspberry, the banana bread, one of my favorites, the mint brownie. Also love that orange bar and the coconut one as well, of course, being in Hawaii. And the great thing about these bars is that they taste like a candy bar, but they're actually healthy. And for for someone like me who exercises a lot and runs a lot and cares a lot about what he puts into his system, I love the fact that it's low calorie, it's low sugar, it's got high protein, it's got high fiber, 19 grams of protein uh, in fact, which is which is pretty awesome. And so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. That's builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast. And we're back with Fran Fashilla from ESPN, college basketball guru, international basketball guru. And we'll get into a little bit of that in our in our last segment today. And uh, an NBA draft guru. We broke down a lot of the top freshmen uh, for the 2021 NBA draft. I want to talk about the upperclassmen. Uh, and, and some of those are sophomores. And it's weird to call sophomores upperclassmen. But in, in, in draft terms, they're upperclassmen. Anybody that stays past their, their freshman year. Uh, we, we probably could start with a guy that's had the most buzz uh, early on and, and has had a terrific uh, sophomore season for UConn, James Boaknight. Uh, what do you think about him as an NBA prospect? Well, I'm really high on him. Uh, first of all, I know, you know, Coach, Coach Hurley, I've known since he was a kid. I stay in close touch with him. He's raved about this kid from day one. He's a Brooklyn kid where I'm, where I'm from. Uh, and I studied him this summer, Chad, coming into the year. He's an outstanding athlete he is great in the open court and he is a finisher you know going back to Cade Cunningham if there's one negative and it'll it'll get better is he's not a great finisher at the rim this kid uh, because he probably grew up playing in the playgrounds with metal backboards no nets 
He knows how to put the ball in the basket, James Booknight. He's out right now for an extended period of time, but he's already done enough that I think he's certainly lottery, lottery level. I thought coming into the season, his outside shooting needed to be a, a work in progress. I don't exactly know what he's shooting right now. All I know is he get he gets baskets, much like we mentioned with Josh Christopher being able to get his own. Um, James Booknight can get his own at the at the two guard spot. So really high on him. He's being coached hard. There's no shortcuts at UConn with Danny Hurley. Um, Danny tells me he's a great kid. He's a worker. And you've seen, as we all have in the first third of the season, that he has made a name for himself. And uh, whatever, whatever mock draft board I look at, he's certainly high. And I think deservedly so. He has an NBA game. It would be how I would put him. You've seen Gonzaga play, and Jalen Suggs isn't the only uh, prospect on that team. This is a this is a loaded team, and actually, you know, it's really interesting, Fran. I love your perspective. This Gonzaga team is as deep and as loaded and as good as any college basketball team I've seen in a really long time. It's hard to see how they're going to lose. Yeah, I don't think they're going to lose in conference play, and I think they're going to if they have a tournament, they're going. I think they're going to go into the NCAA tournament undefeated which hasn't happened since Kentucky in 2015. Now, I will say that I think this Gonzaga team reminds me of Villanova 2018, where they just obliterated everybody, and people go, wait a minute, they're not better than Villanova. Well, Villanova's got four guys starting in the NBA right now from that team. You know, Mikel Bridges is pretty good. You know, Dante DiVincenzo is pretty good. Jalen Brunson, for the life of me, wasn't a first-round pick, and, you know, he's pretty good. So I think this is a but, – but to your point, very similar – I thought the Villanova team was as good a team as we've seen in a decade. Remember, they blew out Michigan and Kansas in the Final Four. And this Gonzaga team, Chad, can do that. Um, I'm a Corey Kispert fan. You know, I am. I've seen him get better every year. I've seen him get more athletic. Obviously, the shooting speaks for itself. You know, he's in that Luke Kennard, uh, whatever you want to call it. You know, Kyle Korver, Luke Kennard, you name him. Um, I think he's more. Joe Harris is a Joe Harris. is a comp that I think is a really good comp for him. Yeah, and I think he's even. I, I agree, and they're from the same neck of the woods, obviously. You know, the state of Washington, and uh, I think he's even a little more athletic than Joe. And Joe was also a, a four year guy, but a great comp because Joe, you know, Joe's a terrific player. Um, I just like him. Football player in high school, he's got toughness. He moves the ball. He's in a great system. He knows how to play with others, and um, you know, to me. Um, I'm excited about him if I'm a playoff team and I got that 18th pick and I need to add a shooter or 23rd. I I think Corey Kispert has played his way into the first round. And you could say, well, what about last year? Well, one thing I've learned during the pandemic, uh, Chad, talking to a lot of coaches and kids, and we saw this with Tyler Hero. We know Tyler Hero from the end of the NBA season to the time he got to the bubble wasn't sitting around eating Kit Kats. He worked. And a lot of these kids have gotten better, the, high school, the college kids and the NBA, young NBA players. Corey Kispert has definitely gotten better since the last season. And I, I, I put him in that 15 to 25 range. And I also think there's just the possibility that, that people slept on him a little bit because he wasn't the obvious guy to go declare for the draft. And right. And so totally. as, as scouts, there's a lot of college basketball players. And you start to focus in on the guys that you think are likely yeah. to declare for the draft. And then occasionally a guy will get buzz. And, and totally. you know, I and I also think that the prominence of this Gonzaga team this year and having Jalen Suggs, which is drawing a lot of scouting attention as well. I also, I, you know, because I went back and looked at some tape as him as a junior. I agree with you. He's gotten better. But a lot of the things that we like about Corey Kispert were also there 
as a junior at Gonzaga. And I just think this is one where he just wasn't quite on the radar the way that sometimes you need to be uh, to get drafted. So to the point of, well, if he was at 50 on your board, what did he do to to jump to 15? I, I actually think that he wasn't seriously on draft boards is probably the better analysis. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, my my older son, James, who's now with the Magic, he played with Buddy Hill for three years. And you remember, and I remember that after Buddy Hill's junior year, he was slotted in the late first, maybe early second. You know, no, nobody was totally sold on Buddy Hield. And uh, I remember watching him play as a, high, as a college freshman and sophomore. And my reaction was, he's going to get drafted someday. But I certainly didn't think by the time he was a senior, he would be the sixth pick in the draft. So I kind of, as much as the playing comparison is Joe Harris, I kind of think of it as a Buddy Heald deal where, you know, Buddy was a, uh, a junior and he was a late first slotted. And then he ended up sixth because of his great senior year. And I, I don't know if Corey Kispert's going six. There's too many young, talented freshmen but I think he's made himself into a first round pick. And that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool when you think of his journey, four years. I also don't think there's a lot of elite shooters in this draft. And and so and that that's a coveted skill in the draft, which also is going to help him as he gets uh, you know into the draft. I also have him slotted as sort of a late lottery uh, mid first round guys. Uh, for those of you that are hearing what sounds like a rooster in the background, uh, <laughs> I'm recording from home today in Hawaii. We have rogue roosters everywhere, and so if you're wondering what is that in the background today, um, I've got a rooster that's just waking up a little late. Uh, today. <laughs> I've, heard, uh, him, I've heard him before. I think it's charming. I think it's charming. <laughs> uh, Give me one other, one other sophomore, junior, senior that you think we should be watching uh, as far as the draft goes, a guy that maybe potentially could crack the lottery. Well, you know, you know how much you and I love this stuff. I've always prided myself on on occasion, saying something about a player, and then all of a sudden the next week he shows up in Bleacher Report or The Athletic, and I, okay, that's a compliment. You know, I, maybe people trust my judgment. I was at the I was at the NBA Global Academy three summers ago, and I saw a kid from the Bahamas, six foot ten, about one hundred eighty pounds, by the name of Kai Jones, and my first reaction was, "This kid's a pro." It's probably not going to be till he's twenty five, but this kid's you could just tell, and you you've seen it. You watch a kid and you go, man, when this kid's 24, he's going to be a pro. Kai averaged three points a game last year for Texas. And I still felt the same way. And then he came out and he had 10 points and, I don't know, seven rebounds against Villanova. And I remember saying on the broadcast, this kid is absolutely a first-rounder someday. And unfortunately for me, he's now high on many boards, but I don't think Kai can help anybody win yet. Uh, Tremendous athlete, skill levels improved. Great work ethic. He's now 6'11", about 220. And um, I love his long-term potential, although I think he's getting a little too much buzz. But he's a kid as a sophomore that teams are already checking out because of Greg Brown and the fact that Texas is in the top 10. And so Kai comes to mind. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, because, again, I have some insight there with my other son at Villanova um, having a good sophomore year. Chad, he went to Villanova. You remember him out of high school. He's from your neck of the woods, actually, um, as a kid that picked Villanova because he didn't want to be a one and done. He didn't feel he was ready. So he went to a place that usually you stay two or more. And prior to the pandemic, I thought Jeremiah was playing himself into a nice position in the first round. He's not a super athlete, but at 6'10", very skilled. 
kind of a Channing Fry kind of player, if you remember how good Channing was. And uh, there's another kid on that team at Villanova that uh, I've been watching since day one, and he will be in the league. If he wanted to come out this year, I do think he would sneak into the first round. And that is Justin Moore out of DeMatha High School. 14 points a game as a freshman. Nobody talked about him because they were so deep. And this year he's probably in that 15, 16 point range. You talk about a great shooter. That kid's a great shooter and he's a good athlete. I don't think Justin Moore is coming out this year, but he could if, if the, the season continues the way he has two Villanova kids. Fran, you know, I'm a Jayhawks fan, a diehard Jayhawks fan. Uh, we usually have someone from Kansas uh, in the mix this year. Uh, not, not, not sure. Uh, we're going to have a, a definitely not sure we're going to have a first round pick. I'm not a hundred percent sure there's a second round pick at Kansas. Anybody you like the NBA potential for at Kansas right now? Yeah, I think Jalen Wilson's going to end up a first round pick if he stays another year. Uh, this is a redshirt freshman who broke a foot last year and didn't play. Uh, and this year he's their best. You know, he's averaging you know, 15 and seven and uh, six, eight, a multi-skilled forward. Um, I hope he stays. I'm sure he'll explore, but I think next year he'll be an all American type of player. He'll play in the league, Chad. There's no doubt about it. I just don't know if he'll play as a second round pick or someday a first round pick if he stays. But I think Jalen Wilson kid out of Denton, Texas, um, he's got all the attributes. I mean, 23 and 11 against Kentucky in a really nice breakout game and really dominated the second half, 21 in the second half, took over the game. I, I think we ought to just cool our heels on him and let him marinate a little bit. One more year with Bill Self and I think a redshirt sophomore uh, with three years of college experience and he'll be ready to you know, rock and roll. All right, Bill Self, uh, maybe you'll get uh, get some guys back for another year. Uh, that would be awesome. Let's Let's shift to the Let's shift to the G League for a minute because there's there's three guys here that if they were playing college basketball, they would have already been in our conversation, uh, you know, uh, to, to be talking about the top the top young basketball players in the country. They do, do this G League Ignite thing. It's it's an experiment. Uh, I, I actually think I'm one of the people that believe it's good that these young people have options and that if college isn't the right thing for them, that there's other options for them to go. Uh, I'll be really interested. It's very tough to implement this in the midst of a pandemic and everything else. And really all we've got right now are some scrimmages uh, that they've done against some veteran uh, G League players. Uh, these are all men that they're playing against every night and, and some players that have, have played some time in the NBA, but were certainly dominant college basketball players as well. And I'm really curious. You've seen the tape. Uh, as have NBA teams, but they aren't publicly available. And so let's start with uh, Jalen Green and what you think about, about his NBA prospects. Well, teams who have done their homework, and many of them have, they know Jalen Green. I mean, Jalen was, you know, uh, ESPN's number one high school player in the country. Kate Cunningham was two. So he's obviously in that mix. And, and he fits. He's an NBA athlete at the wing spot. He's, a, he's got a great motor. Uh, he's got uh, terrific athleticism, elite athleticism for even the NBA top 1% athlete. Um, and I watched that scrimmage and I don't think he disappointed. I mean, I think this is a kid that's going to be in the top five when it's all said and done. We thought that coming in, Chad, it's not going to change. Uh, it may change now once they get to the bubble, if that ignite team, from what I was told before the season, you may know better that they're going to play a few games in the bubble, but they're not going to play a regular schedule. Uh, 
But I, I think that um, he's going to get a, a continued chance to show what he can do. In the game against uh, G League players, and I can't recall now who was in Bobby Brown was in that game, former Houston Rocket. He's now 36 years old. Um, the level of play in that G League game, uh, that scrimmage that I saw, was still pretty high. And Jalen Green was one of the best players on the floor. I think he'll be a top five pick. He is the perfect NBA wing player, elite athlete, great in transition, improving jump shot. And nothing has changed by him going to G League Ignite except exposure, uh, except a really good shoe deal. Because if he was playing at Duke right now, like Zion did, he might make $100 million from Nike. That money may have to wait a couple of years until he proves himself in the league. But he has not hurt himself at all, at, at, at least for, in the eyes of NBA teams, except for the exposure he would get playing at Kansas or Duke. And there, there's some scouts that have that don't like this. There's some scouts that do. Um, the scouts that do say, look, he's getting NBA coaching from Brian Shaw. Um, he's learning right now NBA schemes offensively, defensively. Uh, they're playing when they do play uh, against the level of competition that no college team uh, could provide because every single one of these players uh, was a draftable uh, prospect, which you know most college teams just don't have. And, and that that level of development and practice and, and learning the NBA game, which is different than the college game and, and always has a learning curve, it is going to be something that's going to give a Jalen Green uh, an advantage uh, when he makes that transition to the NBA, that he's going to have a leg up on some of these other college basketball players because he spent that year being coached uh, in an NBA system on both ends, and that that's going to be helpful to them. And so that's the argument, actually. The exposure part hurts them from a fan's perspective, but at least from some scouts, they actually see this as as a positive, that he's getting he's getting the right sort of coaching right now uh, to help that transition become smoother to the NBA. Well, I, I totally agree. And then here's another thing for, for your listeners to understand. If Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga had gone to the EuroLeague or play in the ACB, they'd probably be playing no more than eight, eight, 10 minutes a game because those coaches there have to win. The level of play is far superior to college basketball. You have many ex-NBA players in the highest levels of Europe. So this is kind of the best of both worlds. They're learning how to be pros and they're also uh, they're getting paid, obviously, in his case, probably a half a million dollars. Um, and it's another I, I have no problem with him choosing another path to the league. I don't think this is going to supplant college basketball because, quite frankly, and I said this uh, in December of his freshman year, Zion Williamson would be worth one hundred and fifty million before he even played a game. That turned out to be fairly accurate because of the forty two million dollar number one pick spot and the 75, 80 million from Nike and then whatever else he got in endorsements. But um, I wouldn't have chosen that route for him, but I have no problem with him doing it because of your, the point you make about being a pro at an early age. It's kind of like getting back to what we said earlier. It's like going to play signing with the Milwaukee Brewers, but you're not in the major leagues. You're in, you know, you're playing in uh, Billings, Montana in rookie ball. Let's talk about Jonathan Kaminga who reclassified and, and was, you know, the top, ranked prospect in his class before he reclassified. And and some of my listeners got a little upset with me the other day when I called him a sleeper. And I only mean him as a sleeper this way. It's not that he hasn't been on the radar screen, yeah. but but the scouting on him, there, there was less scouting done on Kaminga than there was on a Jalen Green or a Cade Cunningham right. or what have you. NBA, NBA teams have seen him less. 
Yeah. And and because of that, I think watching him in the G League, there's a bigger chance for Kaminga to bounce on boards. Uh, then, you know, I think Jalen Green, you knew what you were going to get. You saw what you were going to get out of that. That's that's basically what every scout who saw the tape told me, exactly what you just said, right? This is this is about what we expected. But Kaminga, I think there was a more open-ended of what he has become, what he will become. And uh, the early, early takes that I heard from scouts was that they were very impressed with him uh, in these scrimmages. I'm curious what, what your take was. Same thing. You know, he reminded me, I hate to put this on him. He's got a little bit of uh, Kawhi Leonard in him. You know, he's a, he's a big rangy uh, forward who can play both three or four. Again, they're all interchangeable nowadays. Um, he had a, in that scrimmage, I watched a really good motor, Strong to the basket, tough around the basket, not afraid of contact. Um, very mature for, by the way, a very young player. You know, he's uh, he's still only 18 years old. I don't think he turns 19 until October. So um, I expect him with, unless there's somebody that comes out of nowhere to, again, be in the top five, which is kind of interesting, Chad, because a lot of the, the mock drafts came into the year with the five guys we've talked about as the top five. You know, Suggs and Mobley and, and certainly uh, Cunningham and then the two guys in the G League. So I think that's going to stay the same. Um, I was not impressed with Isaiah Todd, who I think would have helped himself playing for Jawan Howard uh, at Michigan. In fact, I don't even know how much he'd be playing at Michigan because of how good they're doing. But uh, Isaiah has always had talent. I ran the, uh, I actually ran the Under Armour uh, camp, All-American camp, when Isaiah, we had him as a freshman. And, and I'm just going to be blunt, and I hope he's listening. Um, he's got all the tools of an NBA player. I don't know if he's got the intensity, or at least he didn't, he didn't display that. Um, so he's going to need to ratchet up his intensity. And again, young guy, give him, give him the benefit of the doubt. But I think I worry about him. I think he would have been great going to play for a guy like Juwan Howard in college. Uh, Dyson Nix. Uh, another uh, another guy, their point guard, was going to play at UCLA, uh, decides to play in the G League. Uh, a little bit more polarizing from NBA scouts about what they think about him. Some really, really like him. He's a big, he's a big kid. He's a big point guard, uh, but not ne- necessarily particularly explosive or fast. Though. What did you think about him in the, in the G League scrum? Uh, I thought he should have been. I, th- I think he should be at UCLA right now, battling battling a uh, little kid. Uh, for playing time at point guard, Tiger Campbell, who's playing really well. And I joke about that. He would have played a lot at UCLA without a doubt. Um, I think he might be, I, I don't think, I think he's gotten comfortable with the G league because that's where he may be next year. He may be playing, you know, the G league season because I just don't see the explosiveness there. He's a heavy kid. His lateral quickness is limited. At least I, again, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt playing against professional players in that scrimmage, but everything I expected of him going to the G league is what I saw. I don't know if he's an NBA athlete at this point. Knows how to play, terrific passer. Just wonder about his uh, early NBA future, unless he just gets to work and improves his athleticism. Some tough love there uh, from Fran Fraschilla, but but it's but it's love. Yeah, uh, it's not yeah. hating. And and one of the oh. things I love about Fran is he he thinks like a coach. He's not hating on players. He's trying to give them constructive feedback about what they need to do. And and let's be realistic. Even most first rounders are not going to have big NBA careers. Uh, it's very difficult uh, to, to do to make this leap. And if you don't make that leap, doesn't mean you, you suck as a basketball player. Uh, it just means that you weren't 
elite. And and so, you know, listening to this, one of the things I appreciate is the realness, the way you keep it real, Fran, because these are all great players. I mean, these are all great basketball players, but some of them need to hear this sort of constructive feedback if they're going to take their game to the next level. And, and listen, I love watching kids improve, Chad. I, I've said this to many people. My favorite part of the NBA is not watching superstars. We all love, love watching those guys, but seeing a kid like you go, I can't believe that kid figured out how to be an NBA player. Now he's good. You know, like I saw Chris Middleton at A&M when they were in the Big 12 when he was a freshman and not knowing he would be that this good. I said, man, this kid's got a chance to be drafted. I didn't know he was going to turn out to be a guy that's worth $100 million in contracts. But um, Matt Thomas from the Raptors, you know, Monte Morris, uh, you know, George Niang. This is the beauty of what I love to do. As, a, as an analyst, to see a kid like Dacian Nix, who I think would have been great at UCLA. Um, and listen, if he's a, a really good NBA player in three years, I'll say, hey, my early impression was that he wasn't and he worked at it or he, I was wrong. I missed, you know, hey, I wasn't that high on uh, Lamelo back in the spring. And so far, you know, the reports are really good. So I, I have no problem admitting a mistake when it's, you know, called for. Because uh, I've been watching this stuff for 40 years, and I've got a few right, but I got a few wrong too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as have I, and and, have. and as has every great general manager and, totally. and every great NBA scout. Now, some are more no right doubt. than others, and some are yeah. more wrong than others about stuff. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but we have uh, this is not an exact science. And because there's human beings involved, it means that they can improve. And, you know, in, in the case of LaMelo, you know, as I go back and look at that, I think one of the things was there was so much other crap around LaMelo that was so hard for some, some scouts to see through. It was, a, it was a lens by which they were seeing everything that was happening. And, and some teams had information that contradicted that. And when you wipe those lenses clean, they saw something else. The same player, you see something else. I think the early going out of Charlotte is that that, that maybe people were being a little bit too hard on him as a kid and, and you know what was going on with his dad and everything else. Because at least one of the reports I've heard from Charlotte is he's been a great teammate. Um, he's been working hard. Um, and, and certainly the feel is, is definitely there. He's certainly a very fun basketball player to watch. Yeah, draft night, we interviewed him on Sirius XM NBA radio. And uh, I fell in love with the kid draft night. And I knew, I also knew that when we heard those reports that he had some bad Zoom interviews, uh, we I, we might have even talked about this. I do I do that think that was smoke because draft night Eddie Eddie Johnson who played in the league a long time and I we uh, after the interview we went wow you know um, because looking back on it that kid was always groomed to be an NBA player. It's like joining a circus, you know. His it, bunch of trash, you know. His his father was a trapeze artist. His older brother was a trapeze artist. He's going to be a trapeze artist. Like this kid was always destined to be in the NBA. And you got to give Lonzo Ball credit because he, he he produced two kids who went in the top three in the NBA draft. So he did something right. But seriously, draft night we were enchanted with uh, Lonzo as as in terms of what kind of kid he was. So that's cool. You know, if I'm wrong about him, I'm happy to be wrong because you know he's he's great for the league. That's cool. Yeah, all right. When we come back, uh, we're going to do a brief segment, and then and then we're going to let Fran go. Uh, talking about international prospects, Fran's been an international guru. Um, we're both going to be a little bit honest. This isn't the strongest uh, international draft. I'm not even sure that there'll be a, an international lottery pick this year, but we will talk about a few guys to watch, and then we'll come back later and, and talk uh, talk more about them as we get more scouting on them. You'll be listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, the Locked On Podcast Network.
And we are back with Fran Fischilla talking 2021 NBA draft. Fran, the college basketball guru, the NBA draft guru, the international basketball <laughs> guru. And let's we, we can't have a podcast without talking about a few of these international guys. Yeah. Uh, it's not a strong draft uh, from that perspective. And I think people need to be uh, prepared for that. You know, we had a couple of really interna- interesting international prospects uh, last year that were going in the lottery. I don't think we're going to see that, uh, at least in the top 10 this year. But let's talk about the guy that probably is the the guy that gets picked the most to be, if there's going to be a lottery pick, Usman Garuba uh, out of Spain, an athletic big guy. Uh, tell us tell us about his game and what you think. Terrific athlete. He's gotten, you know, quality minutes the last couple of years. He's, it's interesting. He's on a team. Of course, they just lost a great Facundo Campazzo to the NBA, the, the dynamic little point guard from uh, Argentina. He made everybody's job easy at, at Real Madrid when he was there. And uh, Usman last year was the beneficiary of some great looks, kind of Clint Capella style pick and roll lobs to the rim, things of that nature. He's also playing with Walter Tavares, the seven foot four youngster, Chad, we remember drafted, I think by the Cavaliers in the second round and and is now back in Spain doing really well. Um, And so Usman is just an athletic raw um, kid who I would probably say, if you wanted a comparison, the Capella comparison, the uh, run and jump athleticism, pick and roll, catch lobs at the rim and also, you know, multi multifaceted defensively. Um, I, I'm anxious to see his current height. Cause I think he's only about six foot eight, which makes him kind of a tweener, but again, high energy athlete. Um, and I think he'll be a first round pick, but we're talking about a kid with uh, whose offensive skills right now are raw. He is shooting the three ball more than he did in the past, but it's not, accurate but obviously that's an area where all these kids have to improve if they want to play in the nba as a small ball five let's say yeah from my from both watching him play and talking to some of the international scouts about him i think the the concern right now is he's he's a center in a in a power forwards body uh right now and uh and and maybe he's going to develop as you said uh, some skills that that allow him to be more like a modern four in the NBA, but right now that's not where his game or his strength is right now, and and that's probably what's hurting him more. If he was seven feet tall, uh, we probably would be talking about him significantly higher on our boards. But it, but at six eight, that's that's tough. And what we what we give him the benefit of the doubt is two years with a team that is on the fringe of an NBA team. You know, like a Real Madrid, a Barcelona on a given night can beat couple of the worst teams in the league. So he's at a very high level. It, my analogy would be he's in AAA and he's sitting about 240. So, you know, he has a chance to be a, an NBA player, and I think he will be. But, again, we're talking about raw development right now. He's, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be 19, a little bit over 19 when he gets drafted. Let's talk about the the second highest ranked prospect on on international prospect on my board, the Croatian um, young man, Roko Perkison. Uh, I believe is how you pr- uh, pronounce it. Um, what do you think about him and his uh, draft prospects? Um, he, I, 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 I'm not in love with him. He's to me, and he's he's a sneaky athlete vertically, but his lateral quickness is not great. He's a skilled six nine kid. Um, you know, I don't want to say Ennis Cantor because Ennis is six eleven, but he, I worry about his lateral quickness defensively. He's also, I love Sibona. I've been to Zagreb. I've actually, you know, that's the home of uh, uh, the great Drazen Petrovic, the arena there. 
Um, but that level of play, although it has produced some good players that are in the NBA, it's not like he's in the Euro League right now. Um, he's still a baby. He's going to turn 19 later on in the year in November. Um, I, only thing I worry about positional position for him. Who does he guard in the league? He is skilled. He knows how to play. His shooting is suspect. I'm not a big fan right now, but uh, I wasn't a big fan of Balmaro last year. And a lot of teams were, you know, very pro uh, Balmaro, the young man that's uh, stayed over in, in uh, Spain for another year. Let's talk about a point guard from Lithuania, Rokas Jokobaitis. Uh, lefty. Uh, you know, I saw him play. I watched him since – actually, I've seen him. I saw him at some youth camps when he was younger. Um, and my first reaction is like a Ben Oudre, you know, maybe because he's lefty, but smart, knows how to play. He's not as explosive as uh, as the young Goran Dragic we remember from, uh, you know, uh, Reebok Euro camp. Um, but he plays that way. He's a very crafty – Big six foot four, knows how to play, extremely well coached. You know, until this year, he was coached by uh, uh, Saras Yasakevich, one of the best coaches in Europe. This kid understands pick and roll. He understands how to play professional basketball. His adjustment to the league will be very easy in that regard. High level of competition. Um, uh, backup point guard in the league, maybe someday an eventual starter, the way a Beno Udre or a, a, a Goran Dragic became. Um, but I really like him. I really love the way I love the way he plays, and the value of a backup point guard like the Monte Morrises and the Jalen Brunsons and so many others in the league critical. And I think that's how he fits. Anybody else, Fran, that you see right now that could potentially end up cracking maybe the first round? I I, I don't really know at this point that we're going to see an international prospect emerge. That's that's we're thinking is going to crack the lottery, but anybody that might kind of be a sleeper first round prospect. No, for you. I, I told you before um, I've been so in, entranced in the early part of the college season. I haven't seen the Turkish kid, uh, Sengun, uh, who's playing for Besiktas right there in the downtown uh, Istanbul. And then a the young man from France uh, that, that we talked about. Uh, and I'll probably say the name wrong. Uh, Begarin. Uh, which doesn't sound like French, so it's probably not it. But uh, he's in Paris playing from Paris Racing. That's the kid you mentioned from Guadeloupe. And uh, um, I will I will zero in on those guys before the next time we talk, I promise. Yeah, Singun, I've been just starting to watch some tape on, again, off some tips from some international scouts. And there's some, there's some intriguing there's some intriguingness there. He certainly is is producing yes, at is. a high level in Europe. And, and you know, that's a sign. Uh, right, because th this is this is a very high level of basketball, and so when you start putting up big numbers, that that is something to to pay attention to when you're an 18 year old. Yeah, we have a good translation now. We've talked about that in the past. Like, I I know playing at Kansas or Carolina is double A baseball. You average 17 at Kansas, that's double A. You do it in the obviously the ACB, the Euro League, the French League, Turkish League, even now the German League you're doing it at that level, that's triple A. You're playing at a much higher level of competition than a college kid who's 19 years old. So absolutely. When you're a 19-year-old kid, as we've seen so many times in the last 15 years, Chad, and you're playing well, then it's uh, it bodes well for your NBA future, for sure. He's Fran Fischilla, college basketball guru, NBA draft guru, international basketball <laughs> guru. It's been fantastic. Just great to have a conversation with you. You have your own podcast, Fran, don't you? Yeah, World of Basketball. You've been on it. We're over 30 shows now. We just had, uh, we, ha we have a kid that could sneak into the first round, Sandro Mamukashvili from Seton Hall, 6'11", you know, 
tough, hard-nosed senior that I think is going to play in the league. We, Sandro came on our show yesterday, and we've had the likes of Chad Ford and Jeff Van Gundy and Jerry Colangelo, uh, Etere Messina. You go on and on. We just had Eric McCollum on, uh, CJ's older brother. So it's, it's fun. We're basically taking people from who love basketball around the world, different places, and sharing stories of, you know, of, of people that uh, are very interesting when it comes to global basketball, Chad. That's why you were one of our early guests and we enjoyed having you on. <laughs> it's a great podcast. I've listened to s- several episodes. If you're interested at all in international basketball, uh, you can check that out on SiriusXM. That's correct. Thanks so much. It's always a pleasure. I love talking hoop with you. All right. Fran Fischilla, you've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.